It is Tuesday, April the 30th, and your Philadelphia Phillies are sitting in first place at 16 and 12 on the season. This is Phillies Today. I am your host, James Seltzer. The Phillies back in action tonight after their first off day in 17 straight days of baseball. They finally get an off day yesterday. They'll have another off day on Thursday. The Tigers in town for a two-game series, part of a nine-game homestand for the Phillies. They will finish it out. Over the weekend against the Washington Nationals, we'll dive in a little bit later and look at the month coming up as we are in the last day of April. Crazy to think that one full month and more of the baseball season has already been played. And while there have been some highs, some lows, certainly some low lows at times, Phillies are sitting in first place on the last day of April. That's a pretty good spot to be, especially in a division that has proven to be so contentious already we talked about it all offseason long as moves kept being made as the division got strengthened we kept saying the national league is gonna be pretty tough this year four good teams and so far it certainly played out these way that way as the phillies the best of the bunch in to the end of april here and they will again be at it again tonight with the tigers so i want to take the opportunity before we dive into what's coming up for this phillies team to um, take a look uh, on the last day of April, heading into the month of May, and with an off day yesterday, it's no baseball to react to. To take a look at where the Phillies stand from a, a more statistical perspective uh, individually, as last week we ended the week kind of looking at the roster and where it stands and what needs to change and what we feel good about, I wanted to actually look at some stats today and see where some of the Phillies players stand in terms of a statistical look this season and where we expect improvements and then uh, of course after that we'll look ahead to the month to come we'll get you set for the month of may for your philadelphia phillies as again a big month i always say you know the, you, hear, you always hear the phrase just small sample size and we haven't played enough baseball and all that and there really is no defined date to say all right when is it real you know, when is, and look, last season we saw a Phillies team that, that got to the end of July competing in first place and then had one of the great two-month collapses, all-time horrendous, I should say, two-month collapses that a team can have. So things can certainly change, but for me at least, I always peg June 1st as a date where you can start to get a pretty good feel for things and how teams are shaken out, and again, provided some teams do plummet later on, but... Um, you know, I think for the most part, you can get an idea of what a team is. And of course there are additions made at the trade deadline and all that, but, um, let's run down the list real quick. Let's, let's start with the lineup and then we'll, we'll go to the pitching side of things and just take a look at some of the stats that pop out when looking at this Phillies team. One of the things that when you look down the lineup and we've talked about before, but it is, uh, you know, you're reminded of it when you just look at you know, baseball reference or fan graphs or whatever, and look at the, the team stats. You remember how young this team is. Andrew McCutcheon, the only starter over the age of 30 at 32. Other than that, you know, you've got Romuto at 28, Hoskins at 26, Segura's 29, Franco's 26, Harper's 26, Herrera went healthy as 27, Williams is 25. So there isn't a lot of, of age on the uh, the offensive side. That's one of the reasons I I think Sean Rodriguez makes a lot of sense as a utility player for this team, and and obviously they brought him up, and um, you know, he's played pretty well since being up here. But 
He's a 34-year-old guy who's played for a lot of teams. He's been around the league. He knows the way it works. He's a pretty seems like a pretty fiery guy in the way he goes about his business. Um, and I think that's helped the clubhouse because it is a younger group of guys. And I do think it's been a very tight-knit clubhouse so far this season, which has been really great to see. It does seem, and we've seen it with the celebrations. We've seen it manifest itself in a lot of different ways. But it has been uh, it's been cool to see how tight-knit this group is. But they do lack uh, uh, some age-slash-veteran leadership outside of McCutcheon on the offensive side of things, the lineup side of things. So um, that it, it is something to, to notice and, and certainly uh, interesting to see how it'll play out as the season goes on. And, and also when they bring in the trade deadline and how that affects it. But uh, going down the line, starting the catcher position, JT Romuto started off a little slow, but I think at this point, you know, you can't really complain about the contribution you've gotten from Romuto. We've already seen from a defensive perspective how good he's been in terms of blocking the ball, throwing out runners at second base, handling a staff. He's done a really nice job so far this year, and and the bat's gotten going. He's got the average up to 278 after struggling the first couple weeks of the season. Four homers on the season. He's played 27 games, or in 27 games for the Phillies, which is pretty crazy to think about when you think about the fact the Phillies played 28 games this season. And granted, he hasn't started all those games, but the fact that your catcher has played in 27 games for you through 28 Shows you what a bad, you know, what a what a Iron Man, uh, JT Romuto is. What a um, you know, what a, a impressive specimen he is athletically too. Um, it's really been uh, it's it's great having him here. I, I think the best is yet to come. Uh, you know, the on base percentage slightly lower than you'd like to see it, only at three forty five. Not bad. I think he'll get that higher. And the slugging at four forty three. I also expect to see more of as well. I think the best yet to come. But I I don't see how you can complain so far with what you've gotten from JT Romito so far, especially at a position that is so deficient offensively in Major League Baseball today. Even a 789 OPS, which is what Romito's giving you, is on the high end for catchers right now. And I expect that to rise as the season progresses, playing his home games here in Philly. Uh, Reese Hoskins, moving over to first base, I think maybe the most underrated start to the season that we've talked about. He has been the Phillies' best offensive player, handily so far from an offensive perspective the highest ops on the season at uh 1005 ops he's got the highest on base percentage on the team at 411 an on base percentage higher than bryce harper's 400 highest slugging percentage on the team at 594 hoskins has the most home runs on the team at eight the most rbi at 23 reese hoskins has been just outstanding this year 20 walks on the season for Reese Hoskins, he's really just been 20, 20 walks to 32 strikeouts. That's a, a really impressive number for a guy with his kind of power. He has just been everything a, a you could ask for from Reese Hoskins. On pace for 40-plus home runs, on pace for over 120 RBI. He's batting 277. I mean, if you had said before the season, Reese at 277, you would take that and run. As, uh, as again, the OBP of 411, Hoskins has just been outstanding and has only missed one game so far this season, 27 of 28. Moving on to second base, Cesar Hernandez. I know we've obviously and very fairly had some complaints about the defensive miscues. Of course, the base running gaff in Colorado. Cesar has had some issues this season. Really almost seems like it's a, a mental block type thing, like uh, a Chuck Knobloch or, or Markel Fultz, pardon the uh, bad memories here in Philly type of thing where it does seem like he's got sort of a, a mental block going in terms of defensively right now. But 
on the flip side, offensively, he's still a really good player. Uh, you know, he had the really slow start, but he's been batting well over 300 the last couple weeks, up to 267 on the season, a couple homers. Um, you know, the 333 on base percentage isn't as high as you expect it from him, but he's been that guy over the last couple weeks, really has stepped up his game offensively after a slow start and is looking like the Cesar Hernandez that we, we remember, you know, the offensive um, contributor, I guess, that you can count on. You know, 15 strikeouts, 11 walks, those are good numbers there. You hope to see those walks rise, but... Um, it's a tough case with Cesar. If, if Kingery were healthy, obviously it'd be a different story. And Kingery, of course, batting 406 on the season, obviously current, currently on the 10-day IL, but it'll be longer than 10 days. It looks like one of those legit hamstring injuries that could linger, which is a shame. Technically, I guess Kingery has died OPS on the team in 1176, but obviously hasn't played enough games or haven't had enough bats for it to, um, for it to count. But... Um, if Kingery were healthy, it'd be a different story. Right now, it looks like Kingery's going to be out for at least a couple more weeks, maybe longer. So, Cesar is what we got at second base. And I think from an offensive perspective, that's fine. I just, you know, something needs to happen is these are the type of mental errors defensively that can cost teams games. And he's played a role in costing them games over the last couple weeks. So, um, certainly something to watch. From an offensive perspective, though, I think you're going to continue to get a good Caesar and a better Caesar as the season goes on. So, we'll see. Uh, shortstop, Gene Segura, man. What a, what a, it has made such a difference already having Segura back. He's only been back for one game. Well, I guess technically two, he got hit in the head and left the game. They still put up a 12 spot. Does it count that he wasn't involved? I'm going to go with yes. When you add in that game, granted that number's a little skewed, but Segura, the team was uh, averaging over six runs a game with him and just under three runs a game without him. You could tell the impact he's had and that the numbers back it up. Segura batting a healthy 347. On the season, a 405 on base, a 514 slugging percentage. That's a 919 OPS, aka the second best OPS on the team this season. Really just been a hit machine. You figure, think about the fact of, of how many games he missed. He's only played in 18 games this season, so he has missed 10 games this season. And yet his 25 hits are still tied for the fourth best total on this team. And 28 for Reese Hoskins is the most hits on the team. And Segura's only three behind him, and he missed 10 games. So that shows you the kind of production from a offensive perspective Gene Segura has given you. He has been all that and more. Uh, and again, in 10 last games, this, those numbers are astounding. Uh, moving on, third base, Michael Franco. I, I don't know what to say. I have uh, long been a Michael Franco detractor, and he's proven me wrong so far this season. And, and I do need to see more than a month to really buy him, but... I love the month I've seen. You know, he's starting to hit the ball the opposite way a little bit more. He hasn't struck out twice in a row and two at-bats in a row yet this season, which is just crazy. I mean, you look at his numbers. He has walked more times than he's struck out. Mike Kelfranco has walked 14 times, and he's only struck out nine times. How about that? 351 OBP, 525 slugging. He's batting 263 on the season. Again, 14 walks and only nine strikeouts, seven homers on the uh, team, 22 RBI. Those numbers, both second best on the team to Hoskins. Shout out to Franco. That's all I can say. He has been great. And uh, it, it is funny, though. It does seem like he's just more comfortable in the eight hole. When they move him up, he doesn't seem like the same type of hitter. I, it's, I'm sure it's anecdotal, but uh, eight hole Mike, keep it rolling. I will stop criticizing you. You keep playing like this. You're already uh, getting me to stop. So uh, he's been great. Uh, left field, Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, how many good things can I say about this guy? It's funny because you look at the batting average. He's only batting 238, but 
He's got an on-base percentage of 370. 370, the third best number on the team. Fourth best, excuse me. Fourth best number on the team. Uh, he's bad, OPS of 827. He has five homers on the season. That is fourth best on the team. McCutcheon's been great. He's brought so much from a defensive perspective, from a base running perspective. All in on Andrew McCutcheon. He is a steal for the money they are paying him. And uh, no complaints with McCutcheon and Lee Awful. Uh, center field spot has been obviously a um, up in the air type of thing. Oduble, when he played, played relatively well, 270 average in the 17 games he's played. Um, you had a couple timely hits for him. The OBP, not as uh, high as you'd like, 319, and the slugging a little low at 381. But I think certainly felt like he uh, had some big hits, some important hits, and um, has certainly been better than the replacements. Though, from an offensive perspective, the average isn't there, but Nick Williams has provided a bit of a spark, a monster home run the other day. But uh, Oduble... As soon as he's back, which should be soon, uh, your center fielder, and it'll be great to have him back, and I feel much more bullish about the position when he's back. And then finally in right field, Mr. Bryce Harper. And I know I've heard a lot of consternation about Harper lately. It seems like people are really frustrated with him, and, and I get it. The strikeout numbers are, are too high. Hoskins is striking out, or Harper is striking out more than he should, more than he has in the past. His 36 strikeouts, the most of any player on the team but he's still getting on base a ton. The OBP still at 400. The slugging at 510. That's a 910 OPS, third on the team after Hoskins and Zagura. He still has six home runs and 20 RBI, eight doubles, the most on the team. Look, um, batting 250, Harper's been really good. He's been really good offensively. We talked about how when he's slumping, he's never really slumping because he always gets on base, but... Um, I, I, look, he's gonna have. Uh, there's gonna be a three week period where he carries this team, where he's the best hitter in baseball. Get ready for it; it's coming at some point. Um, probably multiple of those types of of runs. But um, I understand that that he's been frustrating at times. The strikeouts have been high, so um, I think you, you have to be pretty happy with what we've gotten from Harper. But he's certainly shown the propensity to the cold streak that we knew he had, and um, I, I think you'll be more happy more often than not. He's also been much better defender than. He was billed as coming in. I think a lot of people um, kind of blew up that narrative a little bit. But um, I think you have to be with, happy with what you got from Harper and, and know that the best is yet to come. And Nick Williams, I mentioned, the primary bench bat. Kingery's been hurt, but he's been amazing when he's played. Obviously, heard the numbers for uh, Aaron Altair just can't hit anymore. He's batting 037 on the season. 27 at-bats, he has one hit. He's one for 27 on the season. I'll say it again. He's one for 27 on the season. Aaron Altair, I don't know how many more shots you, you give Aaron Altair. I think it might be the end of Aaron Altair era here in Philly. Sean Rodriguez has been pretty solid since coming up. He has a home run in his uh, four games here. He's only batting 231, uh, but he has a 901 OPS. He's got a 615 slugging percentage so far, so that's good to see. And Gosselin's been relatively solid with a couple hits, but the, the number is not that great. A 238 average, a 524 OPS. So, uh, you know, look, Williams' numbers haven't been great either, but I do feel good about Williams as a bench bat. And then you all know how I feel about Andrew Knapp. I'm not a huge fan, a.k.a. I'm not a fan at all of Andrew Knapp. His 630 OPS does nothing to sway that in his bad defense as well, but what are you going to do? All right, uh, coming up, we will look at the pitchers and then, of course, look ahead as the month to come, uh, one more day in April, Spencer Turnbull takes the hill for the Tigers tonight, uh, taking on 
your Philadelphia Phillies and Vincent Velasquez, who's been really good so far this season. We'll dive into that in the month to come coming up as well. It's Phillies today. It's James Seltzer. We're coming right back. We are back, Phillies today, James Seltzer, as we have broken down the offense from a statistical perspective. Let's flip it over to the pitching side of things as Jake Arrieta. Um, let's start with the starters. Jake Arrieta had the lowest area on the team until Mr. Zach Affling pitched a complete game one run, brilliant gem on Sunday. So in terms of guys who have pitched enough innings, however, Vince Velasquez at 199 area on the season. It's funny because you look at the ERA of the five current starters right now, and it's really not that bad. Uh, obviously, Nick Pavetta's 835 ERA down in the minors right now. Jake Arrieta at 346. Zach Eflin, 334. Vincent Velasquez, a 199 ERA so far. And then Jared Eikhoff, granted only in 17 innings, but a 2-1-2 ERA. That's pretty darn good. The pitching staff from an earned runs allowed perspective has not been that bad. Oh, wait, what? Oh, did I miss somebody? Oh, yeah. Aaron Nola's 5-6-8 ERA. Who would have thunk it that we would be sitting here heading into the month of May and Aaron Nola's ERA would be two runs more than anyone in the rotation at the time, granted, who would have been thinking that we would not get through the month of May with Nick Pavetta in the rotation? Granted, Nick Pavetta, 14 strikeout showing in AAA uh, yesterday. So maybe, uh, or two days ago it might have been. Um, so who knows? Uh, maybe uh, Pavetta on the track back to Philly. But regardless, it is, uh, it is pretty shocking when you break it down like that. And obviously we're not talking about a huge amount of innings. No one has pitched more than 39 innings this season. And in the case of Eikhoff, 17, Velasquez, 22 and two-thirds. So none of these guys have pitched a ton of innings yet. But pretty crazy to think about the fact that Aaron Nola, 5-6 ADRA, um, easily the worst of the five guys in the rotation at the time. He is 2-0 and on the season, which shows you how valuable pitcher wins are. But for those who are fans of that, Jake Arrieta leads the team at 4-2. and is Eflis, 3-3, and Nola, 2-0. Vinny Velasquez 1-0, and then Jared Eikhoff 1-1, as I mentioned yesterday. Got his first win since August of 2017. Awesome to see for Eikhoff. A couple other numbers that stand out from the starting rotation. When you go down the list, it is pretty crazy how they haven't gotten a ton of strikeouts. When you look at strikeouts per inning, um, at least the guys who've been most successful. Velasquez, uh, a strikeout, a little under a strikeout per inning, 22 and 22, in a, 22 strikeouts in 22 and two-third. Uh, Eikhoff, 20 and 17 innings. Granted, some of those in a relief outing, as we know, but he's been pretty solid from a strikeout perspective. And actually, Aaron Nola, 32 strikeouts and 31 and two-thirds. Obviously, the uh, the rest of the result's not as good. But um, Eikhoff and Eflin have been really successful without striking guys out at a high clip. Arietta 30 and 39 innings. And Eflin, only 26 strikeouts and 35 innings. It's interesting to see these guys are pitching to contact more, and it's been working for them so far. Um, and I think that it might be a, a – they're pitching a lot of weak contact, which has been key, but um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they how this kind of bears out over the season if this pitching to contact and not getting strikeouts is a, a potential approach moving forward for this staff, for at least for certain guys. All right, uh, looking at the bullpen perspective, uh, obviously, as I've said many times, and as crazy as it is, it is to think about, Adam Morgan, your best Phillies reliever, he's pitched 11 innings. He is yet – to allow a run. If, if Adam Morgan get through tonight without allowing a run, he will have made it through April. 
without allowing a run. Pretty awesome to see. Hector Neris, a 2.92 ERA on the season. He's been really great. 19 strikeouts in 12 and a third innings. Really impressive. And of course, the most important stat, four for four in save opportunities. How about Hector? Ninth inning Hector. How about it? Uh, Pat Neshek, a 2.45 ERA on the season. Those guys have been the three stalwarts of the pen so far. After that, it gets ugly when you look at the numbers. Sir Anthony obviously has not been himself. A 5-2-3 ERA. Jose Alvarez, 7-2-0 ERA. And that doesn't even include allowing a few of Arietta's runs to score yesterday that, uh, excuse me, two days ago that he didn't uh, didn't get credit for. But, um, yeah, he's been bad. And then, um, you know, Robertson's hurt, but the ERA before he goes on the IL is 5-40 ERA. Ramos has a 6 ERA. Uh, it's been rough. Really, uh, it's funny, you know, but the pen has played well lately. They pitch well lately. I feel all right about it. You're a few arms short. You're certainly not lockdown guys, but I do feel somewhat good about the makeup of the pen. But when you look at the numbers, haven't been great. The thing with this, of course, really, really small sample size when you're talking about relievers. They don't pitch a ton of innings. But I think when you look at Hector Neris and Adam Morgan and what those guys have been able to do, you have to feel really good about those two. Uh, and I think Sir Anthony will be all right. And, uh, you know, Robertson, we'll see when he get him back. And Nishek is, is a solid pitcher. But with Arano down and, you know, Nicasio he can't trust. And Ramos he can't trust. That is certainly a, a point of focus for this team in my mind. Moving forward, they certainly, I think, need to upgrade there. All right. Let's look ahead to the month to come. As we mentioned tonight, Phillies and Tigers get at it. 7.05 start. Vinny Velasquez on the hill taking on Spencer Turnbull, a talented young right-hander for the Tigers. That should be a fun one to watch tonight. And then tomorrow, Aaron Nola takes the hill to take on Tyson Ross, hopefully against a weak Tigers offense. Nola can find his groove. A, a solid outing against a weak Marlins lineup, not, not vintage Nola, hopefully. He can find his way and get to Vintage Nola. Then a huge series off day on Thursday. Huge series as the Nationals come to town for three. Right now, the scheduled mashups, Eikhoff versus Jeremy Hellickson, our, our foe, our, our nemesis, Hellickson. Hopefully they can get him this time around. Jake Arrieta against Patrick Corbin on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Zach Eflin against Anibal Sanchez. Pretty solid matchups there. You avoid Scherzer, you avoid Strasburg. Corbin's really good, but you have to feel good about missing those other two guys. Then, uh, looking at the rest of May, uh, week, uh, next week, uh, after the weekend, heading to St. Louis, as after a nine-game homestand, the Phillies back on the road, head to St. Louis for three. Uh, it does look like they'll face Miles Mikolas and Jack Flaherty if things hold up there. Those are two of the better young pitchers in baseball, especially Flaherty. Flaherty's nasty. Uh, then they have a day off, and then they head to Kansas City. So a short trip from St. Louis to Kansas City. That's not that bad a road trip. And then after that, uh, middle of May, we're at May 13th. They'll come home for a seven-game homestand, a tough homestand here as the Brewers come to town for four, and then the Rockies come to town for three. Of course, we remember what happened in Colorado, hopefully, the Phillies can get them here after that. May 20th, the Phillies go back out on the road. So that was a th uh, a week with four games, or excuse me, seven games that day. So no off days the week of May 13th. And then they get right into it. No off days here. So it'll be 14 straight days of baseball before an off day as they will head to Chicago for four and then head to Milwaukee for three. So they'll be playing the Brewers seven times between May 13th and May 26th. That should be interesting. The Brewers, one of the better teams in the league. And then, 
They come home to face the Cardinals yet again on our turf three here, and then they round out the month, the last game of the month, heading to Los Angeles as they will face the Dodgers uh, for three games out there, May 31st, June 1st, and June 2nd. Uh, when you quick takeaway, you look at that. There's some really good teams on this schedule coming up. They got Washington. They got St. Louis. They got Milwaukee. They got Colorado. They got Milwaukee again. St. Louis. They got the Dodgers coming up. A lot of good baseball by the end of May. I think we're at, like I said, June 1st. I didn't even plan that. But when you think about June 1st, I think we're going to have a really good idea of who this Phillies team is, is and what they could do. Obviously, last year we could have said the same thing and it didn't work out, but I do think this year it'll be different. This team's 16 and 12 right now in first place, and I think the best is yet to come. This should be a really informative and interesting month coming up. But first, we finish out April tonight, Velasquez against Turnbull. We will be back to talk about that and look ahead to the next one tomorrow. So thank you for listening to Phillies today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network.